night numbers. <laughs> See, that's my big nigga right there, son. Hey, if you was any bigger, you'd be my bigger nigga. <laughs> the weekend <laughs> of course i had to give y'all a weekend to breathe but had to get back on y'all niggas man we gonna call this i finally saw a genius i did though i did i finally saw that motherfucker man yes i finally saw fucking genius y'all and man it was everything that y'all was saying bro everything y'all was saying finally seen that motherfucker i'm just gonna talk about it because i was just like man kanye when he was younger he was cool as fuck and i remember i seen about 25 percent of this footage already like when kanye was walking into the office trying to get signed yeah basically this documentary is like the defiant ones like the defiant ones because it's between uh you know it's chronicles the life stories of kanye's main camera guy cootie and uh and uh i can't pronounce the other guy's name chiki cheeky whatever right so it's basically once kanye you know, and and Cootie met. You know, Cootie was a comedian in Chicago. I'm not trying to tell the whole documentary, just in case for those that did not see it. But it's just basically Cootie and Kanye's story from the uh, late '90s all the way to now, and it just show it just chronicles. The journey that him and Kanye have been on since Kanye blown up and became famous. And then, and then you could just see, like, and then, you know, what almost got me, y'all almost got me, y'all almost got me, bro. You know, and, you know, seeing the 
relationship between Kanye and his mother just really, like, was, like, sad, you know what I'm saying, because they had such a bond deeper than mother and son, they were like soulmates, in a way, you know, they both, you know, she instilled a lot of her soul into him, that's why a lot of Kanye's work from graduation to late registration and college dropout sounds so good it's just because his mother was instilling a certain type of confidence into him that no other woman could and you can just see the difference in him when he was alive when she was alive and since she's been you know passed and then, you know, that was like a transitional phase, like from when he was unsigned to when he got the Rockefeller, you know, because at, at first, obviously, you know, Ye was just told to stick to the beats. They didn't believe him as a rapper because, you know, Rockefeller had acts. They're putting Petey Crack above Kanye as a priority. And that was kind of fucked up. Then they were showing like, you know, the accident. You know what I'm saying? He was showing like um, that PD crack was more of a priority than Kanye. Then it showed the accident. Then it showed him recovering from the accident and him taking the you know, the braces off because his jaw was broken. And then, you know, you can just tell, you know, it's the 50 Cent shit, you know what I'm saying? The voice change, you know, because when Kanye first came out, he, he spoke a lot clearer, clearly. And then, you know, with the, with the new jaw and everything, he talked a little bit different than he did. But it shows... Ye's rise to prominence, and it was good to see that Kanye's mom got to see him blow up and be this icon, you know what I'm saying, he got to, you know, his mother got to see him rise to the top, and you know, he got his, his, his mom together and everything before, you know, she, you know, she passed through the complications of plastic surgery that she was about to have, and that's, that's kind of super dark, and then it showed, like, you know, Cootie started, his life started to change. His life started to change because he gave up his life in Chicago and comedy to support Kanye. And, you know, if anything, this documentary, if you didn't learn anything from that documentary, you did learn, long as you're confident, long as you believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing, Anything is possible, especially if you got a support system that believes in you because, you know, it showed his journey, you know, from opening for uh, Talib, Kweli, and Most Def to being bigger than both of them. That's crazy. Despite Dame Dash not initially believing in him he felt like it was the right thing to do to sign Kanye and, and, and it turned out to be a great investment 
you know, for Kanye to be a backpack rapper that was different, that didn't rhyme about always shooting and killing people, he did rhyme about that shit, but he wasn't, like, embodying, he wasn't gangster rap, he was lyrical rap. day Kanye and it's and it's a good thing that Kanye kept up with Cootie you know he didn't forget about him you know it's a lot of cats that grew up in Kanye's circle right now that are no longer fucking with Kanye anymore because but at the same time though can you blame Kanye I mean you lose somebody like his mom who was like his soulmate his biggest supporter his biggest fan that, you know, losing a parent changes you. Whether it be for better or for worse, it's totally up for you to decide. Totally up for you to decide. But it, the, the documentary is in three parts. The first part basically details his journey as a producer coming up in Chicago when, you know, he saw his friends turn on him, you know, shit like that. Normal shit. That future stars that you know got something that you don't got, go through. Okay? Part two was him finally breaking through, finally becoming the star that he deserved to be. And part three was pretty much everything from Mrs. West's death to now, you know, from him building the foundation with his mother to making his vision a reality. So, shout out to Cootie, shout out to Chikey, shout out to Ye, and just, we'll just pray for better times for Kanye, man. But anyway... Yesterday, we got Clash of the Titans. We got Clash of the motherfucking Titans. Joker versus Embiid, battle for the MVP. Now, Philadelphia had already been leading the season series versus the Nuggets 1-0. And it was up to Joker and his gang to make a better case for MVP by going into Philly and winning. Now, it doesn't, you know, if Denver won, it doesn't mean that Jokic is like a lock for MVP. It just made the race a lot closer. And that's what Joker did. He went in there. He played his game. But the story of the game wasn't Joker. The story of the game was Denver's bench. Now, Denver had been believed to be a broken team, meaning that they lost two key players that both averaged 20 points per game. Or both, well, that can score 20 points a game. Let me take that back. Porter Jr. was averaging 20 a game. Jamal Murray during a regular season would average 17. But, you know, but, you know, what he would do is, um, he would average like 
25-26 during the playoffs. But um, Denver beat Philly 114 to 110. Five niggas in double figures, but the bench scored 45 points to Philadelphia's what 12 points? I think it was 12 points that Philly's bench scored. I have to uh, check that. Yeah, because Philly bench didn't do anything. And I, yeah, actually, it was uh, 15. It, it was, uh, let me see, 14 points. Still bad, though. Like, Joker had 22 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. Bones Highland was the story. He had 21 points off the bench. He hit some big shots for them. And despite the bench difference, Philly only lost by four points. Despite how bad, man, George's Niang from Philly, he was horrible last night. He had a James Harden kind of night. Eight points, 0 of 5 from the floor. Wait, he was 2 of 12 from, uh, from 3. Well, no, he was 2 of 10 from 3, 2 of 12 from the floor. Danny Green didn't make a basket. I think it's time for Philadelphia to cut Danny Green. Danny Green, his time in this league is up. He can't shoot anymore. His defense is not what it used to be back in the day. Dude is just complete shit water. He's butt. And I think that they they need to realize that. They do. They, they need to realize that. And then have y'all been noticing that Tyrese Maxey has been lacking in aggression as of late? We can pull up Tyrese Maxey's numbers the last few games. Because before the All-Star break, he was hot. I know I understand that people go through ups and downs in a regular season. Now, this game against Denver has been his best game in a few games. You know, he went from 19, 28, 21, 25, 33 to 17, 17, 4, 10, 19. He's playing inconsistent. I feel like he's got to be a little bit more aggressive if Philly's going to do anything in the uh, in the playoffs. Embiid, though. Let's go back to Joel Embiid's performance last night. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, Philly lost, so Joker's the MVP. No, nigga. No, nigga. Nikola Jokic got his points, most of his points, versus DeAndre Jordan. When DeAndre Jordan got in the game, Nikola Jokic was like barbecue chicken. That old man wasn't doing shit. had 34 points and 9 rebounds and he had a big block towards the end of the game that could have sealed the game but Denver bailed themselves out James Harden had a pretty good night he had 24 points, 9 rebounds and 11 assists that was pretty good and shot 6 of 11 
That was very efficient. James Harden needs about four or five of these games right here. He hasn't been this efficient in a very long time. Shout out to James Harden. He actually showed up. I think it was just the the bench not showing up. The bench players messed up Philly. Because if Philly could have got, I don't know, one of those guys to score 15 points, I think they could have won that game. I still am going to go with Joel Embiid as the MVP. Y'all noticed anything about Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz coach? They're not putting him on the hot seat. They haven't even talked about, like, a coaching change in Utah because they've been underachieving for quite a while now because Utah is supposed to, like, been at least in the conference finals. Like, these guys haven't been there with this group of players. Now, maybe Quinn Snyder might not be the problem, but something's got to shake in Utah. Currently, they sit, they sit fourth in the West kind of snug. Especially with Golden State winning yesterday. But we'll get to Golden State in a minute, right? But, you know, we keep hearing the whispers of Frank Vogel being, like, on the hot seat. Obviously, I understand. But you don't be hearing nothing about um, Quinn Snyder, who's been underachieving as the jazz coach for quite a while now. It's no disrespect. It's just like, I don't be hearing no reporters, no people I watch on YouTube talk about this. And, you know, Utah's also failed to get a legitimate number two to go alongside Donovan Mitchell. Which leads me to the uh, Utah-Milwaukee game that I watched yesterday. Let's let's talk about that one. The Milwaukee Bucks came into Utah for a statement game. Basically, that's what this turned into. This turned into a statement game for Milwaukee. As the, the big three of Holiday, Middleton, and Anadokounmpo, they're not a big three for real, but you know what I mean. If those three guys are going, nobody can beat Milwaukee. I'm trying to tell you. I keep telling y'all, if, if Middleton just consistently scores 20 a game, which he's been doing, I got to give him some credit. Middleton's doing better than Andrew Wiggins. I'll give him that. He definitely proved that he was an all-star. And he wasn't a fraud. But Chris Middleton had 23 points. Drew Holiday, 29 points. And man, let me tell you something. Justin, Drew, and Aaron have been balling, bro. Like, Aaron is over in Sacramento, balling. Justin is in Phoenix, balling. That was big for, um, was it Aaron that went there? Or, 
man, I get though Aaron and Justin mixed. It's Justin Holiday on the one on the Suns. I hope I got that right. Because I want to be right. Okay, Justin plays for the Kings. So that's Aaron on Phoenix. Aaron Holiday was a huge pickup for Phoenix. That had to be one of the best low-key pickups of the season. Because when the, they were playing the Lakers, he was huge in that game. But Drew Holiday was fantastic last night. And he was pickpocketing motherfuckers like a criminal, bro. He was a smooth criminal. Despite not getting much production from the other players, I guess they felt like long as we're contributing, everything else will fall into place on the defensive side of the ball. Returning last night, which was huge for um, Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez, after having back surgery, returned to the lineup for the first time. And he didn't look too bad out there. He was shooting his threes. He was running his pick and rolls. He was getting, you know, he was doing the uh, other intangibles that didn't involve scoring a shit ton of points. And he was doing a pretty good job on Rudy Gobert for just to be uh, returning from injury. He did a pretty good job on him. I got to keep it a buck with y'all. Um, on the Utah side of things, Donovan Mitchell, he had a hot first half. That second half, Milwaukee started to uh, lock in and play some defense. But Mitchell had 29 points. Conley, Mike Conley was a big story of the game. He had 29 points. He was hot. He had been cold the last few games that I seen him play. Gobert had a big game, 18 points, 14 rebounds. I think Rudy Gobert has to establish himself as a legit number two option because he comes and goes too much for me. He's not aggressive on offense as he should. I mean, it, it, it's not hard to, to post up. You know, being 7'3 and 276, it's not hard to post up, make hook shots, and catch oops. He missed a couple of alley-oops yesterday. That he shouldn't have missed. And, and you know, they were doing this without Bohan Bogdanovich, which probably would have definitely made a difference in this game for Utah. Not going to hold y'all. what else I got to talk about. I know I got another thing to talk about. Oh yeah, uh, Lotto. Lotto announced her release date for her album 777. 
and the date is March 25th. And looking at the March 25th schedule, I mean, I heard Pusha T album was supposed to come out March 25th, but when I Googled it, you know, I couldn't find anything. So maybe that wasn't the correct date that I was given. But Denzel Curry and Buddy are also dropping the 25th. So next week, next Friday, it's going to be a hell of a Friday. Next Friday is going to be a big Friday for music. And once again, it's on the Los Angeles Bakers lose to Toronto. Man, they were down bad. I think it was like 30 to 6 at one point in this game. And LeBron was seen visibly frustrated. I mean, Russell Westbrook, THT, THC, though, had uh, um, 20 points off the bench. Not that it made any difference because the starters were getting their ass kicked. I don't know what's up with Frank Vogel and his lineups. You know, th this person I watch on YouTube always talked about how bad Frank Vogel's lineups were. And I didn't start paying attention until yesterday. I'm like, you started Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron James. There's no fucking way I would start this lineup. Stanley Johnson shouldn't even be playing in the NBA. Nigga, I would have started Dwight Howard. I would have started Melo. I would have started LeBron. I would have started Westbrook. I would have started Malik Monk. That would have been my starting five because the Lakers can't score. And Melo and LeBron out there, you know, you get some scoring punch early. You get some early offense established. But Toronto ended up winning 114 to 103. Toronto, six niggas at double figures. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Led in scoring 28 points. Pascal had 27. Scotty Barnes had 21. They stomped on him like this beat that's playing in the background. <laughs> Lakers was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> um The crazy part is the Lakers are still ninth. I think they're ninth. As of now, I have to double check that. But oh yeah, I didn't talk about Golden State. So Draymond Green returned to the lineup, and this was the first time that Clay, Draymond, and Steph played since that playoff game in 2019 where Clay tore his ACL. And you could just tell the difference that Draymond Green makes in his team. Draymond Green can affect this team without scoring the basketball. We're just playing hard defense, providing energy into the team, being the team's emotional leader, and putting Steph in places where he's the most comfortable.
because Steph Curry had 47 last night. And, you know, without Draymond, Steph had to handle the ball a lot more. Which meant more turnovers. If you look at the turnovers Steph had, he only had two turnovers. Meanwhile, in previous games, he would get at least four four dumbass turnovers per game. But Draymond ended up coming off the bench. And, I mean, his stats don't wow you. I mean, 6.7 rebounds, 6 assists. Same old triple single, but Draymond for uh, six, six over six assists back in the parlays now. It's good to have him back. And I'm finally going to be able to bet on the Warriors a lot more. So shout out to Golden State. They ended up beating Washington 126 to 112. But I'm going to get the fuck up out of here. This is King Known Uncensored. I finally saw genius and I'm out of here.